Hey you, welcome to Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. We're going to talk about Star Trek like we usually do and have a good time doing it. And I, yeah, yeah. I am Lauren Lowen <laughs> and my captain is here, Larissa Maestro. Hey, what's up? All right. That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just like a morning talk radio, you know, hose, like. <laughs> we need the goofy sound effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Traffic. Morning drive time. Traffic on the loop <laughs> is crazy, right? Like <laughs> traffic and weather. We need some Hawaiian shirts. Um, <laughs> okay, so we don't want to give anything away, but we just finished up a cool recording session with some podcast neighbors. We're gonna be on there talking about Star Trek, but uh, maybe they should just follow us on Instagram, and we'll we'll keep them waiting to see what that is exactly yeah we have some exciting stuff coming up for you guys soon uh we've got fun plans more more cool stuff more stuff with friends this is like the perfect time to be podcasters right but it does mean that tonight we are recording later than usual i think we're a little loopy but we have a fun episode planned we um are going to kind of celebrate the release of the trailer for the animated series Lower Decks that is coming to CBS and uh, to kind of pair with that we thought it would be fun to revisit the episode from TNG Lower Decks from ooh is it season 7 episode 15 it is oh my gosh alright I got one she got one <laughs> We're just, we'll just celebrate every time Lauren has <laughs> episode oh, information I- I need a bell. You like you are always so prepared. It's funny how you're like, I did it because you're always so right. prepared. I don't write down that stuff, though. <laughs> There's a lot of names in this episode. I think I'm going to have to depend on you. Oh, yeah. I've got the names. I'm on yeah, it because I'm just like, Vulcan guy. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. This is re- I'm re- so excited about this because this is a really good episode. You know, what it is. It's always one that when I read the description, I think this is the last thing I want to watch. Yeah. Because um, I'm thinking like, oh, I, I, it's an episode about a bunch of Star Trek brats and they're working against the Star Trek crew that I love. I don't want to watch yeah. that. But then you watch it and you're like, oh, this is a good episode. Yeah. Or or for me, I think it's like, oh, they're not going to be spending time with my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not going to be hanging out with like the people that I already know, which is like part of the reason I rewatch Star Trek all the time anyways because I just want to hang out with my friends but you do get to hang out with your friends in this episode you just see them in a different light yeah yeah it's not like saved by the bell in space which is kind of like what you're worried about (laughs) when you read about all these you know junior officers and stuff and uh that being said there are definitely um plenty of things for me to comment on and make fun of with this episode so oh yeah absolutely I think it'll be a fun one for us to discuss well, and then and then we'll talk about reactions to the tiny trailer that came out. Yeah, and I've I've done a little digging just to get some behind the scene facts. There's not like a, a bunch. We should mention that even though uh, the animated series is, is called Lower Decks, just FYI, I mean it's not like the same characters from the season seven show. Um, yeah, like there's there's like a Lower Decks style episode on Voyager to. Um, it's just, it's just like more like focusing on not the bridge crew, like not the people that are excellent at their jobs and like used to this stuff. It's like newbies 
who are like it's the less glamorous getting you, yes. yeah the less glamorous side of star trek which yes. you know brings a lot of hilarity and um i will i i think even though we're going to have a much more organic discussion about this episode Here's my really quick synopsis, if we do want to put it in. Oh, yes, please. Okay. I think it would be good to have a synopsis. So this is a synopsis of TNG Season 7, Episode 15, Lower Decks. It's about it following a group of junior officers and, like we said, the less glamorous side of of Starfleet. And um, all you really need to know is you find out, like, two of them are up for the same promotion. Uh, so there's that kind of drama it's kind of their perspective of things going on. And then we find out that one of them, who was a character from another episode that we'll talk about, uh, she is offered a dangerous mission to get a Cardassian Federation informant across Cardassian lines because she is Bajoran. I have problems with this plot point, but we'll get into that. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, at, by the time the end of the episode comes, we found out that she has been kind of lost in the line of duty. Um, so, so it's a, a little bit of coming of age. Um, so my first thoughts on this episode are that I generally really like it. Um, I think that it's well written. I think it's well edited. Um, I think it's well acted. I like the fact that we're spending time with our bridge crew in a different way. And I like how we sort of get to see what they're all like in leadership positions and how their subordinates see them and interact with them. And I also really like how we sort of piece together the story from the perspective of these ensigns and sort of slowly have to figure out what's going on the way that they are, as opposed to actually being privy to all of the behind the scenes conversations that the crew is having and knowing all of the details and ins and outs like I think that's that stuff is pretty cool um also maybe this is TMI but I am on my period right now so this episode made me cry several times (laughs) but also I it probably would have made me cry regardless of where I am in my cycle but I'm extra emotional right now just like just like the end of it (laughs) no like the mostly Moments with Sito oh, were the ones I'll, that made me cry. I'll be curious to talk about Sito with you because she's, yeah. she's one of my biggest problems with this episode. I have a lot of conflicting feelings about how she's used in this episode. Yeah, yeah. for me, it's more of a storytelling thing. I mean, this episode is really about Sito, honestly. Like, it's, it is it is like about the ensigns on a whole but like she's the main one yeah that is true it becomes about her and kind of how her story like affects the the group that were introduced in the very beginning like they're Um, a little like friend group they're like a little crew so we probably need to rewind a little bit and talk about first duty is that the episode that she's originally from where yeah the the when she's a cadet with wesley you want to do that uh, I didn't yeah, actually I, rewatch that episode. <laughs> I mean, I, I won't get fully into it, but this is a of the group of ensigns. Um, one of them is Sito Jaxa. It's like J A X A, but I can't remember how yeah. to pronounce it. Anyways, Jaxa. Yeah, yeah we're going to call her Sito. Uh, but she is a Bajoran. And there's an episode called First Duty. A lot of people know it because it's when Wesley is at the academy. 
and a big showy uh, flight demonstration with the the pilot cadets goes wrong and somebody dies and Wesley and his friends kind of uh, basically attempt to cover it up as an accident and Wesley feels very uncomfortable with this so he's put in this awkward position between his friends and telling the truth also a lot of people know it because it has um, Tom Paris (laughs) Robert Uh, Duncan McNeil thank you in this episode as a baby cadet and then who interestingly (laughs) enough was supposed to be the same character when he went to voyager but they realized they were going to have to pay rights to that writer for continuing to use that same character so Ah. so that's why they're like screw it we're just going to make a whole nother character tom paris um so anyways one of the cadets that is involved in this cover-up for the death of this cadet is uh cedo who comes back in this episode she says she's been on the ship for seven months so part of this episode is I don't even know if it's accurate to call it a redemption arc. It's just sort of a continuation of her story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't feel like it's redemption. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, when she's talking to Picard at one point, and he, we later find out he is sort of, like, testing her. Um, but uh. he's he's sort of like you you did you were involved in this horrible thing, and I don't know if your character is up for... For being in Starfleet and being on the Enterprise. And she says, um, I just wrote in my notes, oh, wah, 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 when she responds. Because <laughs> she says, um, she starts to going about like, I didn't have any friends after that incident. And I had to take my flight course alone because nobody wanted to take it with me. And I stuck with it. Doesn't that say something about me? And part of me, part of me just wants to be like, no, no. Like, <laughs> I mean, co- that was, co- that was, those were the consequences of yeah, like your com- actions and compared to that first thing you just talked about which is like covering up the death of not only someone and a friend and especially in that episode it's like they're worried about being expelled they're not like horrified it seems by what they've yeah. done yeah or like we're gonna be put in jail for the rest of our life space jail it's just like oh but we're gonna be expelled that's yeah. horrible um, it just seems so like entitled and privileged of a concern. Yes. So I honestly don't like a lot of those characters from First Duty. No, I and mean so- that episode is <laughs> that episode makes me roll my eyes, <laughs> to be honest. Yes. And and it just seems like Wesley joins the popular kids table and it again, turns out they all, all suck. Just- <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So she's in here and she's talking about, yeah, the price she had to pay. I'm like no, like you didn't have any friends. That doesn't sound nearly as horrible as what you did. So sorry, I'm not really feeling any sympathy for you. Yeah, I I do have in my notes that this dressing down scene is really hard to watch because it's just, first of all, like, I mean, Picard isn't being very Picard in this scene. You find out later that he's testing her. But on the other side of that, uh, the other side of, of the coin is that like that is kind of fucked up the way they handle that with her and like not I mean not only is it like annoying that her response is is so entitled and sort of like like whatever who cares but the fact that they're psychologically testing her in this way is also like what the fuck this is not very Starfleet of you guys like Picard is usually like really straightforward and this was like, what is happening? Like, he's being so mean. Like, he's he's like literally just being mean to her to see how she responds to it. And it also doesn't really 
this test, I don't see how it really pertains to the mission that she's right? later sent on. Like, it has nothing to do with, can you pretend to be a prisoner on a shuttle? No, it's just like, can you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how is this a... a, a You're hired. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> you stood up for yourself. But the whole point of her mission is she's not supposed to stand up for herself. Like, she's just supposed to be a good actor. Like, you know, like, she's supposed to pretend to be a Bajoran prisoner. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I actually have in my my notes, I would have, if they were going to use her, I would have preferred that she's on the Enterprise. It's seven months later, and she is still, like, an outcast. Like, maybe, maybe she has found these friends that they introduced in the very beginning, but that we see moments where... People are still, you know, whispering in the corner or she's not fully accepted and she is still kind of uh, she's wearing still that living badge it of down. shame. Yeah. Yeah. Or like she's experiencing her own PTSD or, or just like trauma from it. Cause, yeah. Because that would be realistic. Yeah. So th- that, that was some shit to go through. Yeah, absolutely. Like that was that was some really hard shit to go through. And she was, if I remember correctly, like she was like sort of on the fence about covering it up her character was yeah really it's only like the tom paris character who's the kind of leading them and then the two girls are kind of like following like sheep yeah and and wesley's the one who's like hey yeah 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 like tom paris is the head bully we're just gonna keep calling him tom paris because i don't remember we are uh is like the head bully and everyone's just sort of playing by his rules because they're afraid to disagree with him. And and that's that's a pretty like understandable dynamic, especially when it comes to adolescence that, you know, people in a friend group would would sort of in a situation like this be like so scared of what was going to happen or or so like traumatized by what just happened to them that they would be more willing to like go along with a dumbass plan like that. Yeah. But yeah, I totally agree with you that if that had carried over to her experience on the Enterprise, it would make so much more sense. But, like, she seems fine. Yeah, and her life seems fine. And yeah. it seems like she's just going along hunky-dory. And yeah. it's like, well, great. I see it looks like you really suffered for a few months there finishing up school. Right, right. It's like, I mean, you did do something pretty terrible. <laughs> and it was your fault. <laughs> so... Yeah, she gets, I guess her little storyline is that we, we later find out that a, a Cardassian operative for the Federation um, has been found and that he's going to try to sneak over to the Cardassian, um, you know, territory. But it's going to be more convincing if he has a Bajoran prisoner so that he can be, say he's like a bounty hunter and that they'll let him you know, cross into Cardassian territory, right? Yeah, like that's his excuse for coming back is to that he's returning with a prisoner. Yeah, yeah, that's his story. That's like his, uh, yeah. It's Um, also like, but why is that his story though? Like, couldn't he just be like trying to go home by himself? I don't know. They just said like there's certain, he mentions like he's going to pay off the border officers if he's like, I got a Bajoran prisoner. Right, right, right. Okay, Yeah. So it's supposed you know. <laughs> to be an, an incentive for him. Uh, yeah. Or an, it's supposed to be a, an incentive for the Cardassians to to bring him back in if he has this Bajoran prisoner. I, I think part of it, too, is the fact that he's in 
like he doesn't have his own ship he has to go back in their shuttle yeah so it's like why are you in a starfleet shuttle and he's like well i escaped with my prisoner and so they're they're weaving this whole cover story for him yeah i hope you don't mind me getting into this This no go ahead is like the one big plot problem i have with this story is with sito because they want to use her because well one she is a pilot but they want to use her because she's Bajoran. Yeah. And it's like we've seen several episodes where they, I mean, they have changed Data and Picard to look like Romulans. You know, everyone's been turned into different races of aliens. It's like you don't need a real Bajoran. Just pick someone who's a good officer. And if you're going to send them to Beverly and get like the bruises added and all that. Yeah. Just just add the damn Bajoran ridges while you're doing it. Right? You don't need a new Bajoran. So that's like my main problem is that there's this huge kind of, like, I don't know if it's proper to call it a plot hole. But in, in the world of Star Trek, it doesn't make sense that they need to send this very green ensign out into this dangerous mission just because she has ridges on her nose. Yeah, yeah, you're completely right. <laughs> yeah. The only reason to do that is so that it can be her. <laughs> yes, it is. There is no reason that she would be the right person for this job. Like, she is totally unprepared. She's never been in com- a combat situation. She's never been undercover before. There are plenty of lieutenants, you know, that are that have had that have like more experience under their belt like why her doesn't make sense because story because story oh yeah oh i forgot (laughs) because story because because they're also trying to set up um the this is season seven remember so they're also trying to to continue to set up the cardassian bajoran relationship and carry more fans over to ds9 and that's true they do the it's not many lines, but there's a few lines of dialogue that Sito and the Cardassian operative have between them about the conflict. And yeah, but like it's so not much that it's yeah, that it's exactly. almost like it doesn't even really matter. Um, I will say that like in general, I like Sito. Like I like the actress. Um, I think she was doing really well with what she had in this episode. When it comes to her, though, the the best stuff with her is the stuff with her and Worf. I agree. I I think Worf, we'll get to him when we talk about the actual senior officers. But yeah. I think there's some interesting stuff here for Worf. Too. Yeah, like they give her the they give her and Worf this like, you know, mentor mentee relationship. I, I also like. And for for like no real reason, I like the whole casting tiny women as security officers thing. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it for no reason other than I am a tiny woman and I I like seeing like a little person being like, I can kick the shit out of you. I'm a security officer. I have I have combat training. Like here we go. Personal personal thing that I like. I like seeing women yeah. women in in uh in roles like that. So I, I enjoy that. She is so short. She is so small. She's like <laughs> she is like a foot and a half shorter than Michael Dorn. <laughs> oh, she's, yeah. She's so small. Like when they're standing next to each other, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Dorn is enormous. Anyway. Anyway. Um, side note. I have written down. Why are Bajoran civilian clothes like totally my aesthetic? 
<laughs> they they are very comfortable. Yes. Don't you I, have pants like that? I do. You, re- you recently had pants, and I was like, "Those are Bajoran pants." Yes, yes. I would one hundred percent wear the outfit that Sito wears onto the show. Yes. Like I would, yeah, the- I would love to wear that. Somebody make me some Bajoran clothes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like boho. You know, like all that dumb, like that. Oh, it's dumb- like Ashley Olsen. And, and like, remember when the Olsen Maybe twins were why. just like, like layers of blankets and coats. Yes. And yes. It's not that bad, but. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I just really, I really like loose fitting clothing that's still sort of cute. Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek fashion. Ooh. We will, we will have, we will talk about Star Trek fashion at some point. Can we. Talk about Star Trek hair, though. I know you saw something I posted on my Instagram today. Yes, let's do it. Yes, I feel like this is the appropriate place for it. Um, But I just, this is, I think every, not just Star Trek fan, like a fan of anything, you have, I feel like viewers have kind of like their own personal pet peeves of something they hone in on and they always notice it. Yeah. And maybe it's just them. For me, Personally, it's the fact that like 90% of the time when we have a female who's some sort of like guest role or one-time character, holy shit, they always look like they come out of a Jane Austen novel with their hair being the most tight, like stuffy, almost kind of matronly hair. Yes. It's always. <laughs> I mean, Leah and Brahms it's... too. Leah Brahms. Uh, uh, Sh- uh, Shelby. Shelby. Um, yes, absolutely. The- the Jag officer from um, Measure of a Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Um, I what's her face? Uh, Picard girlfriend, science officer lady. Oh yeah, and from Lessons. Yes, uh, something of a D, something of a D. But Nella Darren, yes, p- piano playing woman. Yeah, yes, and it's just like ah, Janeway um, for a few seasons. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that's one of the things I don't get is is like. These and you you can't tell me it's rules and regulations, by the way. Yeah, absolutely because not. See, because we see plenty of characters who don't have their hair up, like Beverly Crusher, yeah, hair down. Uh, like Deanna, Deanna, hair down. Even when she gets promoted, Dax, like she has a ponytail. Yeah, I I can't, I can't think of any other time I see a ponytail on a Starfleet officer. Um, yeah, there's yeah, this like, thing about like I feel like sometimes like futuristic design they like go back in time to find inspiration they like go way back in time to find inspiration for stuff because like maybe it's so old that people won't remember it but like that or, doesn't or work they, for this or they think it's timeless that's what i think it really oh, is like yeah. if, because if if they really did i don't want their hair to look like it's 1992 and they're going to prom and yeah. they have like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but like this is like anne of green gables hair when i was a kid watching it i would think these actresses or these characters were like 40 something and then later i'd look up on they're the internet in their 20s like, yeah they're like 28 or something and yeah like, well. <laughs> like all of them have uh regina hair <laughs> oh Yes, yes. You know what I like, mean? Come on. If you don't know what I mean, uh, listener, watch the episode Ship in a Bottle. There's a character <laughs> who has this hair, but she is from that time period. <laughs> so it makes sense. Yes. Huh. Anyway, thank you for my rant. I, Star Trek hair. I highly enjoyed that rant, and I agree. <laughs> um, so I would like to just really quick talk about Torek. Yes. Um, because... If you have seen Voyager, 
this actor also plays basically the same character on Voyager. Different name, but basically the same character. And I looked him up. His name is Alexander Enberg, and he's actually Jerry Taylor's son. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, hello, little Star Trek dynasty there. That's cute. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jerry Taylor uh, was a writer on Star Trek. Uh, she was a- an important writer. She was one of the first female writers on on Star Trek. And she's like, you know, partially responsible for creating Captain Janeway. And she's very cool. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit of information. This dude literally is the same character, though. Like if you watch Voyager, it's like, oh, it's that dude. He's the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ex- and it's extra funny, Vulcan. Because I do remember reading how, um, given that this is season seven and Voyager was announced, like in the in the time frame of the '90s, a lot of people were speculating that these lower deck characters would end up on Voyager, including him. And it's they were you know quick to say the next gen people were quick to say no 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 like we're not just dumping all these you know like college kids. But yeah, the idea of him I guess carried over into that character. You're right. And yeah literally the same actor and that really like awful episode where he's going through pond far and like oh <laughs> yeah that is him <laughs> and he's like attacking balana and then she's <laughs> that's horrible <laughs> he's too horny oh god i mean we could just like have a whole episode where we talk about what the fuck with pond far um anyway valentine's um, day yeah valentine's day we'll just talk about pond far um I I mean, he's just sort of a boring Vulcan character. The only interesting thing for me is his interactions with Jordy, which are kind of fun because Jordy is very casual and laid back and um especially casual in the way that he speaks. So like he'll yeah. he'll like say something like, Yeah, totally. If you ever have any ideas about that, just let me know. And he's that's him closing the conversation off and then this guy's like Sure, let's talk about it right now. <laughs> yeah, when it's a good time, let's schedule something. And Jordy's like, I'll get back to you. I gotta go I'm literally here. walking out the door right now. <laughs> or like the whole the whole scene where like they're trying to make the shuttle look like it had been in a in a yeah, in a fight. Yeah, yeah. And Jordy's like trying to like casually, like lightly be like, Don't ask questions about this because it's classified and Torek just is not getting the hint. <laughs> yeah, like, s- stop barking up this tree. Yeah. Keith's question was, that Vulcan doesn't know his place. <laughs> yeah, and that's just, like, kind of a dumb Vulcan trope. Like, the, the like, sort of, like, superiority complex thing. It seems more like he's oblivious in this case. Yeah, like, he's definitely culturally oblivious, but it's also, like, you've been through the Academy. Like, you should... Right, like... No better at this point. Yeah. I, I I do like the idea of him being kind of like overly ambitious, but like yeah. catching catching himself like ah yeah um, yeah like the one moment in the poker um scene where he's like, do you think I've permanently you know damaged the relationship between him um or you know between him and Jordy yeah and, and, yeah like. He's aware of it. Um, I would, um, yeah, that kind of seemed, it seemed Vulcan, but at the same time, it seemed like Vulcan with a twist in a way. Yeah, yeah. I will agree with you that there were, there were some moments. There were some moments that made sense with him. 
but I mean, mostly I just didn't really care about him very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll, and I'm going to say the He's same fine. thing oh, about, yeah. about, uh, what's his face? Clark Kent kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ensign Lavelle. Uh. I was, my notes are, hi, this dude is boring. <laughs> My my illustration students and I, we had this running joke because someone brought in a drawing of someone and we all just called him default human. Yeah. This ca- this character. And that's how I feel about Lavelle's character is yeah. like, you're the default. Like, they've casted this guy over and over again in TNG, not the actor, but this type. Yes. And it's like, it's like, and this guy, this version is probably the best looking. Like, he looks like he comes from an Abercrombie and pitch you know ad like yes that's exactly why i called him clark Kent. yes yes <laughs> it's like but all it's american like boy yes yes and and they they've done it in other episodes like um where they're gonna get the um the good looking strong jawline kind of like standard good looking white dude yes and masculine ki- kendall looking bro yeah and so it's like they kind of do it a little bit in the outrageous akona Mm-hmm. And even even like in season seven, when Picard is tricked into thinking that guy Jason is his son. Yes, he's he's not as as model esque, but they're trying to push that. Yeah, you know? like he's a little bit of a scallywag. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this character, at least, I glad I'm glad he's not like a a bro. He's definitely yeah. like he's sort of the neur- neurotic, awkward one who's worried about getting promoted, and yes. seems like he needs to take a chill pill. So yes. I at least enjoy the fact that they didn't just make him like the quarterback of the football team. Yes, I do have I do have written here. I like that he's not cocky. Yeah, I like that he's not like a flyboy. He's not like a Tom Paris. He's not like entitled. He's not expecting to be rewarded for no reason. And I do also like that he's the one that's in the dark the whole time. Right. <laughs> like he doesn't know shit about anything. And I really do think that if Sito hadn't died, she would have gotten the promotion over him because he's not that interesting and he's not that exciting. I don't really I don't really care about him. That much, but but he's not shitty. Yeah, yeah, and and he does have this scene with Riker where he's <laughs> trying. He's not trying to kiss Riker's ass so much as he's just he is um, encouraged by his peers to just like get to know your officers. Like we see yeah. at one point, Cito and Worf are actually just like having a drink in the bar, kind of. It kind of reminds me how you might have coffee with a mentor or a teacher in yeah. college or um, like that's what they're doing. So yeah. Cito has that relationship before. And so uh, Lavelle is trying to do that with Riker and it it just is awkward and goes wrong. And he just like out of the blue is like, you know, my grandfather was from Canada. Yeah. And Riker's like, cool. And then he says, aren't you one too? Yeah, and he's like, a grandpa? Uh, that's what Riker yeah. says. Like, and I was like, what it- is that phrasing? Like, The what- syntax. Yeah. <laughs> what are you... T- where did you... Why would you say it that way? And, I mean, it seems like it was, it, was, it was formed that way to, like, make that joke happen. But it's also like, oh, you're nervous. <laughs> yeah, like, no one talks that way. <laughs> Keith, Keith did like the fact that when he excuses himself he like effectively leaves his drink and the new drink at the bar 
Yeah, I mean that's yeah. it's funny. It's it's <laughs> cute. Um, he's just you know not he's not like the most developed character, and I I feel like the fact that they cast a Ken doll was was sort of detrimental to this character in a way. You know? Yeah. The casting is distracting. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of wanted some, I mean, I hate to say it, I kind of wanted somebody who's more like a, like a little bit of a Wesley, like Wesley is a fine looking, like I say fine as if I'm like fine looking person, but you know, like (laughs) Wesley is kind of like dweebish, but like he looks like a a kid. He looks like a young kid. Yeah. Like somebody more sort of normal looking as opposed to model looking. Yes. Like, oh, I can just see how this audition went in my head behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Um, or, or like somebody a little like, even somebody like a Michael J. Fox or something that's, that's like, you know, just, just sort of like more of a baby. It's, it's almost like he's so perfectly all American attractive that he looks like a blank slate. He looks like somebody made him. <laughs> Again, like default human. Like, <laughs> like my students would say. Yes, 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 exactly. It's like, whatever, dude. And maybe I'm just like really tired of white dudes. I'm really just like so tired of like like cute white boys. Anyway. <laughs> yeah he he gets promoted at the end and it's very bittersweet yeah that was that like, was sweet like that moment wah, was, wah. yeah oh <laughs> um can we talk about I want to talk about Alyssa and then I want to talk about yes. Ben I so I just have to say first of all I already love Alyssa Ogawa and have for years she's one of the few Asian characters on Star Trek she's a nurse by the way if yes. you're not sure who we're talking about uh she's she's a nurse but here here is my question. How is this her first promotion? She has been on the show since season four. Does it do they say it's her first promotion? Like she but she's an ensign. It's her first promotion. Do they say she's an ensign? Yeah. Or like what she's getting promoted to? I just she's, heard like Yeah, she's an ensign, she's getting promoted to lieutenant like everyone else. Oh yeah. I was wondering that too, because the age like, how old is she compared to the other two we just talked about, Sito and Lavelle? Like, I don't, I mean, they don't really talk about, like, how old they are. Like, you but know, like, you know that Sito is, is like, she's, she's brand new from the Academy. Out of the Academy. And but, you kind of assume Lavelle is. But yeah. I always saw Alyssa was, like, at this point in the series, she's kind of more our age? Yeah. And I'm kind of like... What's with the not promoting the Asians? <laughs> How come Harry Kim is an ensign the whole time? And like it, but, but really not really like whatever, but uh, she's, she's literally been on the show for three years already. Okay. I mean, I I feel like as far as the writing goes, they were just like, we want somebody who's working under Beverly in the yeah. story and she's already there and she's, she's a recurring character. Exactly. And someone who's going to like see the Cardassian when they get on the ship and make sense that somebody in the sick bay would, you know, uh, but yeah, like I was a little confused why she was grouped in the lower to some degree. I was confused why she was with the lower deck crowd because again, like, she felt like she was a little bit older. Uh, it just here. Here's the thing. 
it reminded me of me and my students and it's like if i just showed up while they were on their break and sat down with them it was like hey guys like can yeah. i can i sit down and hang with you right um, but again like i don't know how old she's supposed to be but i just felt like they're their young 20s she's somewhere in her 30s and it doesn't mean they can't be friends obviously but it just felt weird that they were presenting it like this was her really close peer group on the ship Right. They've they've already developed that she has a relationship with Beverly. And in this episode in particular, like they develop it more to the point that it, they're very obviously good friends. And yeah, like, yeah, wouldn't like, she be hanging out with Beverly? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would. I would <laughs> definitely be hanging out with Beverly. Um, I I love their relationship. I love their sweet friendship um bev is a great boss and <laughs> and a good she friend is a good friend good friend alert by larissa yes good friend alert larissa Yay. loves when there's good friends <laughs> larissa loves when like there are good female relationships friendships it's great um they're so sweet and and bev's like asking about her her the guy she's dating and she's like, Oh, it seems like you were sit down. Talk to me about it. Like it's so lovely. My thought was like sick bay seems like the chillest best place to be <laughs> when there's not an emergency, you know, like, Oh God, I love Bev. She's the best boss. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's very obvious that she genuinely cares about her staff. All of the other relationships between the leadership positions and the underlings are very like cut professionally and Beverly's relationship with her subordinates is not like that at all. Like she's, she's not asking to be addressed as sir or doctor. She's like, everyone's just, everyone's like family in sick bay. It seems yeah. like, you know, and it, um, I mean, that's just, and that's also just like written into Bev's character anyway throughout the whole series that she's she's kind and she's caring and and she cultivates of a really comforting and easy environment <laughs> to be in it's a safe place yeah it's a safe it's, place. she creates a safe place and it is interesting to like compare that relationship to the other relationships that people have with their bosses on on the enterprise because no one else has that kind of relationship with their boss <laughs> yeah Alyssa is a, in a great spot she is uh before we start talking about the senior officer since we're getting close I guess we need to cover Ben who oh yeah really have, who doesn't have a senior officer he's just I mean civilian his senior officer would be Guinan if she was in this episode yeah I was like is he just like a Guinan stand-in was Whoopi busy because he's really just like being Guinan to these kids <laughs> Okay, so I do love the fact that they decided one of the Lower Decks characters should be somebody who is not affiliated with Starfleet. Yeah. Like he's, ben is a waiter in 10 Forward. He's wearing one of those awesome waiter uniforms that are green <laughs> with, like, the hound's tooth. Yes, and, and it's a turtleneck. I, it's a hound's tooth yes. turtleneck onesie. People have cosplayed as this, and I love it. It is um, wonderful. Also, yes. mention I have to mention his sweater that he wears at the poker game is also like oh, all of his outfits. Love them. Keith loved that sweater. It was yeah. great. That was up there with with Wesley sweaters and Jake Cisco sweaters. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. That was a keeper. <laughs> yes. Definitely a keeper. It almost looked like rainbow snake skin when it first came out. Oh. And I was like, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> so first of all, Ben, like to me, is the most likable character. Yeah. And he's definitely written where he doesn't have a care in the world because he's he's basically in this in this position where he's a waiter. He's like in the hospitality section of the ship. And it's not like he's wor- he's, you know, his his worries are not the same as these other people who are worried about their promotions and stuff. Um, so he's a little bit more laid back. Yeah. But I, I couldn't help but think like, I mean, there's so many times on the ship that things go wrong and things get really deadly that I'm really curious to know, like, who goes on this ship just to be a waiter when there's all this talk about, like, we're Starfleet and we know the dangers that we signed up for when we took this mission or took this oath. And Ben's just, you know, yeah, getting drinks for people. Right? Or, like, who He's- signs up to be the barber? Yes! Like, yeah, who's... <laughs> Mort or Mott. something? I don't know. Mott. Mott. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's like, I'm willing right? to risk my life to cut your hair on the Enterprise. I'm willing to yes. risk my life. Well, I mean, I guess the draw would be, you know, like the adventure aspect of it. Sure. But still, that's like a hell of a liability for him. I feel like he's to true. sign up it's or true. sign off on. <laughs> it's like, do they get first dibs on an escape pod because they're not in Starfleet. <laughs> right. It's like Starfleet and Enterprise is not responsible for Borg assimilation, <laughs> death, um getting trapped in the holodeck. I just it's just such a funny it's like when you really start to think about it. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. It's but, weird. But it's still like all these individuals were just like, cool, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. I I yeah, I do really like that a civilian is included. Yeah, and one of one of my favorite things is when he goes from the there's this great scene actually we we should point out where the both groups the lower decks people and then our our regular cast of you know Riker Troy all them there's two poker games going at on at once and there's this great um weaving of the two scenes yeah the editing is really nice the editing is nice a lot of the dialogue is sort of intermixed in a playful way and so that's a really fun scene but one of the the rewards of that is that Ben goes from being with the lower deck people and then he just shows up at the poker game for the senior officers and is like yeah just just cleaned out these junior officers i thought i'd pop in and they're like come on in ben yeah he can just he can just kind of flow easily amongst the crew because of his position yeah yeah and then he has that moment at the end that very guinan-esque moment at the end where he gets war he says Worf's sitting by himself after sito's death and He's like, I got to move this table, but there's a seat over there with the junior officers. And it's cute how he's he's like, you know, manipulating them together to like uh, share their yeah. emotions in this tragedy that had just happened. And it just it definitely feels like he's a guy and substitute in in several different scenes in this episode. That's a good point. I didn't think about that as much as I like Ben and it's awesome to play the 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 cool character that's likable it's like oh dude is it really like the black actor has to be the waiter yeah like we can't we can't yep. have anyone did you did you feel that way oh yes 100 percent, absolutely <laughs> yeah that's that i was actually gonna bring that up because one of my thoughts was whoopi was busy so they found another black actor to be that 
for this episode. Ah. And it was like, come on, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? But... Like, if that act, if they had, like, switched it and, like, that guy had been the Abercrombie dude. Like Lavelle? And, yeah, and Abercrombie dude had been the waiter. It would have been b- more believable to me, honestly. Like, he's just, like, a hot dude that wants to be a waiter and he wants to be, like, single. <laughs> Get and he's just, Yeah. See, no, no, no joke. Like, he's just like, I'm young. Like, I don't I don't have family, maybe. I'm just going to get on a ship and, like, have sex an with some alien babes. It's an interesting point. <laughs> I didn't think about that, like, switching them. Because in my mind, like, even to your point that you've made before, it's like we also, you know, he could have easily been the Vulcan character or, you know, it, it, you could have. Yeah. So for me, it yeah. was sort of like, oh, okay. He I has, do. No. I like him. I like his character. He's cute. But, like, it also seems maybe a little bit on the ick side racially <laughs> we'll just put it that yeah. way we'll just put it that way a little bit yeah <laughs> whatever no. um well uh let's let's just briefly talk about our old friends um because yes. it's interesting their their dynamics with these lower decks counterparts oh yeah oh yeah i think out of all the senior officers i kind of wasn't kind of forgot about beverly i was making mainly thinking of Worf, Riker, and laforge i thought Worf comes off really good in this episode yeah. and actually has some like i feel like nuances to his character like he's actually um, being a really a pretty good mentor like he's, yeah. he's very sweet. He's very supportive of Sito. He he's fighting for her to get a promotion. He really believes in her. Um, even though that whole like fake test was kind of <laughs> weird. I mean, the fake test related to the Picard fake test. We don't know how much Worf knew about that test being a fake test, and if this was like an extra <laughs> part of the other. Right. Was this an extension of that fake test? Also, how does any of this have anything to do with uh, the mission? We don't know. Anyway, the right. whole the whole the the thing she learns from the test though is very nice. It's like Worf's way of being nice to her and giving her uh, advice. Advice, and it's cool to see Worf being nice. <laughs> Worf, but and here's the thing I actually really like is that. It the way they handled war like um Worf's relationship with Sito seemed very Worf like like appropriate to Worf yes. where it's like of course anyone under his command he's gonna be very protective and loyal that makes sense for him as a character as a Klingon but then also the fact that like you said the fight scene's kind of awkward this like fake test mm-hmm. but but at the same time. That actually does kind of make sense for Worf. Like yes. Worf, I, I <laughs> that tactic I, works for him. Yeah, where it seems like he wouldn't, you know, he's not going to be all like mushy or emotional like Beverly might be if she had to talk to somebody. And by emotional, I mean like more in tune with, you know, talking about emotions. Like he's going to have to do this the way only he can. But at the same time, I wrote, um, I sent this to you. Does Worf care more about Sito here than Alexander in any other episode? 
this is like the closest I feel like we get him to like a mentor fatherly figure. It's so true. He's so much more caring <laughs> and like kind to her and like patient with her. Yes. And like like really just like like uh nurturing. I was gonna say he's really nurturing and, and it's like this is the way I feel like eventually he should have come off as a father to Alexander. Like we see Worf's potential as a good yes. Klingon dad and he's doing this for Sito and not for Alexander. Like it's sad. Yeah. Riker, I feel like also comes off a little bit like an asshole. It, it, yeah, I remember. I remember in our very like our one of our earlier episodes when we talk about transporter accidents, and you said, uh, which was the Thomas one, mm-hmm. Thomas Riker. You said like it seems out of character for Riker, and that's how I felt about this too. Yeah, where like he's impatient and he's rude and he's like judgmental, grumpy and grumpy. grumpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, until Deanna calls him out, yeah, she she totally is just like making fun of him, and it's really cute. Like her being like, "You're just so lucky that they they realized that you were." you know, so green and like new and like, like Riker you know, doesn't have to be like super nurturing, but yeah. I also feel like Riker would find this all more amusing and less annoying. Yeah. Then yeah. they have him. Yeah. Like he would be like, what a, what a kooky, kooky incense. Right. Yeah. Like, he'd so be nervous. like, look at this kid. I just still feel like he's slightly annoyed the whole time. Like he's, I yeah. never in this episode see the Riker that we know where he's like doing that leg thing over the chair. The right, Riker move. right. Yeah, it's like he's where's not, that Riker? Yeah, he's just so like except for when he's like, "I'm your worst nightmare." When they're true, playing true. poker. Well, um, yeah. The rest and, of the time, he just seems stressed out and and like. And that's when he's with know. the other senior officers, but yeah. yeah, maybe he's just stressed out. I mean, people are allowed to get stressed <laughs> out. It, it's a it's a really uh, challenging job being first officer of the flagship. You know, it's maybe he's just having a rough day. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Jordy, um, I kind of. How do you feel about Jordy in this episode? To be honest, I kind of felt like Jordy was just being Jordy. Yeah, I feel like Jordy was being the way they portrayed him in Hollow Pursuits with Barclay. Yeah, and it's like once again, Jordy's with a one of someone on his team, but he seems to be. I thought he also came off as being a little impatient, but yeah, I mean, to me, that seemed like, uh, that seemed like a breakdown in communication. And Jordy has had those problems with people in the past. So that's why it seemed like, to me, I didn't feel like I got anything new from Jordy. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, oh, this makes sense. Um, Like, it makes sense that like, like, like I said before, how like Jordy is very casual with the way he speaks and uh, his interaction with uh, a Vulcan whose, whose culture is very formal. It makes sense that like they would have a breakdown in communication because of that. Yeah. They just don't operate on the same wavelength. It, I mean, it just sort of made sense. All of it just kind yeah, of made sense yeah. was fine. But <laughs> it, it, it's kind of funny because, like, you do see Jordy with, like, Wesley or Data. And you're right. He is so casual and, like, a nice guy. And then it seems like if you're not Data or you're not Wesley, like, Jordy gets frustrated with you really quickly. Yeah. Um, and especially <laughs> if you're Scotty. Oh, that's true. Scotty. <laughs> Oh, it was so sad. Um, he kind of, I, the, the, uh, see, I'm getting the Vulcan names confused from Voyager. Is it Torek? Who's in? Torek. Torek, yeah. yeah. 
he it's he it's, reminds it's understandable me. that it's confusing because his name on Voyager is Vorik. Oh God, yeah, that's why I'm <laughs> I'm like making sure I'm saying the right one. Um, but like Torek reminds me of some of my college students who maybe are really good and ambitious, but they get in their own way. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe it's like cool. Okay, hold on now. Like you're whoa, come back, come back. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen yeah. to me and pace yourself. I kind of feel like um that could have been an interesting way to go if it were Jordy was still nurturing and friendly, but his obstacle wasn't just about like tolerating Torek's over ambition, but trying to help Torek like reel it in and and stuff like that. But I guess you know you can only do so much for forty five minutes. It's very obvious that Torek is not his first priority right now. Yes. Like, he is he's trying to be an engineer and he's trying to be in charge of engineering and he doesn't most of it is like I don't really have time for you right now. Um yeah. I'm just I've I've got orders and I'm trying to to carry them out and I don't have time to explain them all to you right now. <laughs> or or when like he's like, No one told you to do that, Ensign. Like when yeah. Torque has these moments where he just kind of goes rogue. Yeah. And and Jordy's like, I don't have time to babysit every action. I just need you to do what you're supposed to do. Yes, please. N- nothing please, more, please. nothing less. Yeah. <laughs> like, please, not now. We're in the middle <laughs> of a thing. Like I'm trying to oh, dude. But I'm gonna be nice to you, but just God, for the love of God. Um, I, w- I will say, like, for the most part, I do really enjoy this episode. Yeah, yeah it's I fun. Know. It's really fun to watch. I know I just, like, to some degree tore it apart as, like, well, this doesn't fit this character. I would have done this differently. Mah, 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 no, mah. I mean, hey, both but, of us did. That's right? what we're that's why we have a podcast, people, so that we can rip <laughs> things up that we love. It, otherwise, <laughs> it would be really short. We'd just be like, yeah, do you recommend it? Yeah, me too. Okay, bye. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's being said. That's the whole fucking point. That being, <laughs> that being said, if you're going through Star Trek, like, don't skip this one. Watch this one. It's a, it's yeah. definitely a fun, a fun uh, new perspective. And speaking of fun new perspective. Yeah. There is a new show. That's going to debut on CBS All Access called Lower Decks. I think August fifth. Um, like it's coming up. It's coming soon. So obviously, like this is the episode that is the first inspiration for Lower Decks. We both have seen the trailer now a couple times, I think, and uh, I'm I'm interested to to hear what you think about it because it definitely looks like like especially after. Uh, watching this episode and then watching the trailer, it's not like this episode at all. This episode is really serious. Uh, and it's not, there are like elements of humor in it, but it's not funny. Um, and this series, I mean, it's, it's anime, it's an animated like comedy series. Yeah, so this show, first of all, I thought this show was already out. <laughs> it was green-lighted in 2018, and I kind of just assumed it was already out, so I was really shocked when CBS emailed me the trailer because um, I, I just assumed that it was something I was missing. When yeah. I heard about this, I thought it was going to be maybe like a um, Teen Titans Go, if you know what I'm talking about. Where No, I don't. So it's like Teen Titans. Um, it's, it's like comic book characters, but they're more like preteen age like there are definitely like uh, down 
and supposed to be a little bit more like the cool underdogs and they don't Ah. quite Mm -hmm. have their sea legs. And I thought it was, especially since, you know, in general, we've talked about like Star Trek for the most part has always been like family friendly. I thought it was going to be like an all ages thing. Um, Not that, not that this Star Trek necessarily isn't, but it is done by, created by uh, Mike McMahon. Am I saying that Mike right? Mike McMahon. That makes McMahon. sense. Yeah, I think I'm adding an extra syllable. Um, but he it was involved with uh, like Rick and Morty. He's been involved with South Park, I believe. Um, Axe Cop. Like the things he's interested in are definitely more of a, you know. Um, Adult like, cartoon genre. Yeah, like something you see on Adult Swim or something like that. So that definitely got my attention. Um because like I, I am like a Rick and Morty fan and um, the fact that he has been involved with that and other things kind of along that vein. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be like that, but like a lighter version. I don't think it's going to be that like they're going to push it to that extreme. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't see that being same here, the way the direction it, it goes. I can see it being more of like, uh bob's burgers yeah you know yeah. like like where it's still pretty pg but some of the subjects kids. Yeah. you can watch it with your kids but there will also be some adult jokes in there that maybe your kids won't get that there might be some more heavy not heavy but like some some more adult subject matter um i mean from the trailer it's obvious there's going to be adult subject matter <laughs> yeah there's one um, scene in particular you're probably talking about the one i am where the it's, nude scene yeah there's this yeah. character who is naked he swings around the chair because he's trying to be seductive and only to find out that it's his female comrade who he was not expecting so it's yeah. like i saw that and i realized oh okay this is kind of meant you know this isn't meant for like you know little little kids yeah yeah i mean and and uh, even beyond that, it seems like it's going to be more adult than the animated series was. Oh, yeah. Because the animated series was still very rated G. Yes. I have even though only I can... seen a couple of things and it was a long time ago, but. It's very fun. It's <laughs> It's especially fun because it's the whole TOS cast. You know, so it's all the original voices. Yeah, so like it it's, really is all of them. Yeah, and I love that animation style, that like oh. old, sort of like Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. You know, where where the chins don't move. It's exactly. just the mouth. And the, the <laughs> harsh like black lines in the eyes yes, and stuff. I and... love it. I love it. And th- I mean, this definitely more leans more toward Rick and Morty than it leans toward the animated series. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so I'll be curious kind of see like where they strike that balance of still, you know, trying to bring everyone in, um, but also kind of <laughs> making it hip and cool for, you know, today's audience. Yeah. Cause we all know that sometimes when tr- Star Trek tries to be hip and cool, they fail miserably. I just think it's like just let let Mike man like just just let him do his thing. That's that's yeah. probably my advice is like this is a good time to delegate and let these animation people, story writers like do their things that have been, you know, involved with other successful franchises. Let them do their thing. Yeah. 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 
Alakrisman, I'm has, looking at you. <laughs> yes, right? Please don't overstep. Please just let it happen. So, I mean, this is not the the only Star Trek animation since the animated series. There are those two short treks that That's true. I actually, are yeah. lovely. I have not seen them yet. I know they're supposed to be stunning. They're we'll get to them. <laughs> fantastic. So, I mean, if... If like this is and that's any indication of like the quality of the animation, then I'm on board. I'm definitely gonna watch it. So yeah, I'm into it. I was yeah. just gonna ask if you had time to really like collect your thoughts about any of the characters or like the cast, the voice actors. But maybe I only know Noelle Wells in this cast. Is she the, is she the cat? Or no, she's the green. She's green skinned the, alien? Yes, green one. Okay. Um, so I only know her as an actor. Um, I don't really know anyone else. I don't I can't I don't recognize any of the names like immediately in the cast. I'm curious if uh we've got a an X B? I I wanna I don't know if it's an X B or is so it much just as it like is just cyborg like, implant. I, or like a Geordie thing where it's just like he has tech. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know because it's it's you. They really don't have like that much uh, okay. characters. Okay, yeah. But like, I will say, um, I did recognize. Well, there's Jerry O'Connell. Um, oh, so like, that's a big name. Um, oh, that dude. He plays kind of. We were talking about like, like he's a little more scruffy. The, first of all, like there's there's the ensigns of the show, and then there's the command crew. Yeah. So you do have just like in the TNG episode this this parallel between the the little scrappy underdogs and then like the the off the senior officers. Mm-hmm. Um so if you have like the two different groups um first of all when you get this trailer when you see this image at least I did when I opened my email they just have the four lower decks ensigns but like the the main person on the poster is the the um uh black female ensign so she's definitely being pushed as like the main character which i love which yeah we've we've had a lot of talk about diversity on the show like that's nice she is voiced by a black actor um who because she better be (laughs) and i I think what i read was that like that the the voice actor she's the host of one of the star trek podcasts that have been happening oh cool yeah, she's she's announced as a host of Prime Directive, the official Star Trek podcast. Nice. Um, so, like, she's already involved in the the Star Trek stuff. Um, so she's definitely a fan. I yeah, or at least involved already in their yeah. operations, which is I mean, nice. as we know, to be a host <laughs> of a Star Trek right? podcast, one must be a fan. <laughs> Uh, but they're doing that. They also have the captain is a black female who's also voiced by a black actress. So, um, and then I know better be the the ex the person you were wondering who's an ex B. He is looks to be like a person of color, and his voice actor is a person of color. So it, it looks especially right now, like even though this show was greenlined in 2018, and I'm sure these decisions were made before current times. Yeah, I don't know if you've really kept up with some of the things that have been happening with animated shows, but a lot of them, Simpsons, Family Guy, are now saying they're going to recast 
any non-white character who's being voiced by a white actor so that their voice actors will actually be um, non-white voice actors. Um, Yes. And so, like, it's funny because, again, this just happens to be like that, but because of the timing and the fact that this show was, Mm -hmm. you know, already animated and recorded, this came before all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I mean, it it is Star Trek, so, like, they better... We like, yeah, we like hold Star Trek to a higher standard because they have been doing a consistent, making a consistent effort. Whereas with with other animated series who don't have a reputation for diversity already, like they're just having to fix this now because nobody noticed. Nobody even noticed. (laughs) But with Star Trek, like people would for real because nobody even noticed it or like the people making noise about it weren't. Uh, as big of a deal to to like executives or whatever, but like as far as Star Trek goes, like they know that their fans are gonna be looking all this shit up. So like, if you show me a cast that looks this way when they're illustrated, but looks a different way when you take pictures of their actual faces, like me as a as a Trek fan, I'm gonna feel betrayed. <laughs> yeah, you and know, I don't mean to rain on our parade, but I do have just like a tiny footnote of. Almost there, which was yeah. I when I was going through because I really wanted to see who was behind the characters. Mm-hmm. I predicted that the uh, green skinned girl and the cat doctor were still going to be white voice actors, yeah. and they were. Yeah, and that kind of and that disappointed me. And I was yeah. I spent this morning trying to figure out like why why do I have a problem with that? And it's it kind of goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about with Josh. Mm-hmm. But but for me, I think it's a point of, you know, right now, for instance, there's a lot of great, um, yeah, kind of like bring bring in people, like we're saying, bring in people to, of different backgrounds and, and stuff like that. But I guess also what was a little discerning was you, you also, when you're trying to do representation and diversity, you want to make sure you're not accidentally suggesting something that is also harmful which is the idea that black voice actors can only voice a black animated character you know what right. i mean right right like last time we were talking about like hey if you have a story and it happens to relate with trans issues maybe you should try to you know find a writer who who is trans and can speak to that experience yes so yes. it's like let's say star trek contacted that writer they make a beautiful script it turns into a beautiful episode and then star trek goes great working with you we'll contact you again when we have another trans issue to deal with and then that right. writer's like hey i also just want to write about like sci-fi stuff i yeah you know like i can do other things this- yeah like <laughs> like you hired me because i'm a writer also like yes. i I am trans, but also a writer. Like, like it's, I totally see, I totally see where you're coming from. The The thing is not to. Don't put them in a box that's yes. also limiting. Yes. Yeah. Like their perspective is relevant across the board, not just about their specific uh, existence in a body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like like my perspective as an Asian-American woman, 
I, I mean, I have a perspective on lots of things, not just what it's like to be an Asian American woman. I also have a perspective on shoes. And <laughs> I also have a perspective on cats. Uh, cats. I have a very, I have very specific perspectives on lots of different things that have nothing to do with my ethnicity. Exactly. So, but, but which might be informed slightly by my, by ethnicity or by my gender. Um, so like just, just giving someone only like you're trans, so you only write about trans things is that's some bullshit. Yeah. And so like, because you let white dudes write about all of our experiences already for hundreds of years. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, this is great, but also just make sure you're not suggesting. Yeah. A, a harmful narrative of like. Yeah, like imagine if you wanted to be a voice actor and they're like, ooh, we, we actually don't have a half-white, half-Filipino character, but we'll let you know when we do. And you're like, yeah, but can I just can I just uh, audition for the cat doctor? <laughs> yeah. And like, we're going to save you instead for when we have a half-white. Ha-. And you're like, no, no, I, I kind of just want to see I, if I can. <laughs> I would really love to be the cat doctor, though. You're right. Somebody... <laughs> You know, I, we, I, I have experience. We, we, I, I was going to say, we just said, you know, about cats, but yeah, I mean, hopefully my point comes across where like, you yes. just, you want to make sure you're not limiting people to yes, yes. Yeah, certain elements of them. And it's like, well, yeah, like any, any, the whole point is like anybody could, could then be the cat person or, or the green alien. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like, like really like any, like the whole, the, the exciting thing about aliens is that they're fictional right now and they can be played by anyone, especially when they're animated. Yeah. So it's like, I'd like to at least think that when they were narrowing down the voice actors, that maybe there were many different types of people considered for those two characters. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll have to see. I'm excited to watch it. I really enjoy animated stuff. So, um, like, I'm currently in the middle of rewatching Avatar: The Last Airbender right now, um, which has been very nice, and I'm quite enjoying it. Um, so, I'm I'm excited to have like a new animated series to try out. Yeah, I've you know it's funny I've heard really good things. I've seen episodes, but you know it's been on for it was on for a while, so. But interesting fact, um, the creator went to the my alma mater, went to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design. The creator of Last of, Airbender? Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Yeah. It is quite a lovely show. So yeah, I'm exci- I'm excited for some more animated stuff. It it might be, you know, interesting to see like an an artist's take on Oh yeah, uh, an illustrator's take on Star Trek. I mean, they can just you know they can just do so many things they probably can't do because it's animated. You know, you can animate yeah. anything, so yeah. it'll be fun to see what what they come up with. Um, I do want to point out two things though that we have talked about. One, the the green haired skin girl has, like I said, kind of your haircut. She has like the yeah, which I feel like right now we're seeing a lot in animation is the undercut, cut, the undercut, but mm-hmm. like different hair. I don't see any Jane Austen hair. Um, and then we do have, I think, our uh, white awkward ensign. He definitely has like mm. a very neurotic vibe, like Lavelle in Lower Decks. 
Ah. But I like the fact that they've kind of made him a little bit what we're talking about. Like, he seems to definitely come off as a little bit dweebier. Yeah. And more relatable in that role. So, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not the, like, it's, it seems like the uh, Jerry O'Connell character is going to be the, the dude, like, the, the strong jaw bro. Yeah. And then, um, so, and then the other one seems like he should be like a military sergeant type kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so Barking. we'll see. That's our predictions. <laughs> there's going to be somebody that's a bro, and there's going to be something going. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for continuing. We want to thank everyone who has uh, been listening to our podcast uh, in quarantine. And um, we've we've been getting a lot of new listeners, which has been pretty cool. And uh, hi, you guys. Uh, thanks. We're going to keep talking about Star Trek. And and probably hair in Star Trek. Oh, yeah. We're going to definitely <laughs> talk about hair. It's come up before. The hair, we're going to talk about hair. We're going to talk about fashion. We're going to talk about actors trying to play instruments. These are all things on our list of shit to talk about. We're also going to have some more special guests in the future. Like, it's just, here we go. It's happening. And we're going to be special guests on other shows talking about Star Trek. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. What what can we say? We're, we're, We're tackling the important issues. Yes, this is the world needs Star Trek right now. Uh, Patrick Stewart said it himself. <laughs> oh. Listen to him. Yeah, listen to him. He's important. Whew. All right. Yay! So should we? Do we need like an outro? Do we need a couple of outro options, or do you feel like you got what you had? I think I got it. Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show on Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. Where's Andy Dick? Where is he? Can we, can we bring him over here? Can we get him in this episode? <laughs>